Hello and welcome back to, that is right, our 50th anniversary reunion tour. We're finally back on the airwaves. I'm Dominic, that's Samara, again, still in London. Um, What's been the last 50 years for you at this point? Look, the last 50 years have been uh, problematic, traumatic, tumultuous, horrible, wonderful, fabulous. Um, no, I'm kidding. It's been, uh, it's been interesting. It's been an interesting few years, weeks away from the podcast. Um, good to have a break, but good to be back. How are you? Mm-hmm. And I'm good. Anyway, so no, I'm just kidding. Um, yeah, it's... <laughs> yeah, it's... Uh... We, we took a three-week uh, sabbatical. I like saying sabbatical. Um, but we're back on the air. It's going to be... A, we it, can't do two, more week, two weeks of work without taking a four-week break. Exactly. So I'd say we are back on the air. We want to do it weekly. Next week's going to be a bit iffy, but beyond that, uh, the content will be provided. So we should go out with that. Um, we'll report on the plane if need be. Uh. She's not speaking for me. I'm going to be really jet-lagged. That is right. I did get permission to fly out to America, which at this point seems safer than Victoria, so I'm not exactly concerned about that. Um, But, yeah, I've got a lot of travel ahead of me next week, and uh, most likely by the time the next episode is out, I will be uh, back in the old college town, uh, possibly infected, which, as we've established, would be great for ratings, so I'm not exactly going to avoid that at all. Um, Just want to jump straight into it. Anything else? Uh, yeah, nothing much else. You know, it's COVID times has slowed stuff down. So let's jump into it. What's the news? What's going on? Um, so this is a story that we planned to do earlier, but with the delay, we never got to it. But I guess it's still kind of going. Um, Kanye's presidential run slash mental breakdown slash divorce. Um, there's a lot to tackle with his subject, yes. especially... Uh, Initially, there were reports saying that he was going to shut down his campaign. And as I'm saying that out loud, I did not write this down, but as I'm saying that out loud, it's like, oh, yeah, Chris definitely leaked that because that wasn't true at all because the very next day he did his first rally. Really? Okay. There was, like, reports yeah, saying, like, a- according to sources, uh, Kanye's presidential run's already over. And just everyone's like, oh, wait, no, he's doing a rally today in a uh, security vest. He's doing another one or are we talking about the one that he did? Because the thing is, he's not actually, he missed the registration. So the whole Kanye President 2020 is not going to happen on a technical basis because he hasn't registered. So... I mean, the crux of the situation is this could be a publicity stunt, but also I'm concerned because he really does sound like he's struggling with his mental health at the moment. So It does. Like, some of the clips from that uh, rally... Well, first of all, it started off with him saying that uh, Harriet Tubman never actually freed slaves, even though that's literally what she did. Um, she just sold them off to more white people, and every African-American in the audience uh, left immediately after from the videos I've seen. Um, and then he went on a crying rant about how uh, he almost aborted his daughter and he almost killed, he just kept saying, I almost like killed my child. So, yeah, it was not no, the that's not information exactly. That's not that's not campaign rally stuff. That's uh, he's got to stop. And now he's calling Chris a white supremacist. Did you see that on Twitter? Yes, Chris John Um. 
Um, yeah, it's interesting. I think um, his views on uh, abortion are quite twisted and uh, he said that he would offer um, all women $1 million if they were considering uh, abortion and he was offering them $1 million to keep their child. And I just think that he's extremely cut off um, from the realities of, uh, of life because, you know, people terminate pregnancies for many different reasons and it's not just, uh, not everyone's in a, in a committed, loving relationship and uh, he's trying to make all of that illegal and uh, he's got some very twisted opinions. And I think even Elon Musk, who associated himself with him, then backtracked on that after hearing a lot of his other ideology. So I thought that was interesting. Yeah, there's been a lot of that. And he's had a couple of like, you know, a couple of hour long stretches on Twitter where he's just ranting literally everything. And whenever one of his uh, famous friends tried to reach out to him, he'd post the screenshot of their text chain on Twitter. Including what? Exactly. Just like, hey, this very private moment, let's see everyone like this. Say, this guy's a good friend. And it's like, no, don't do not do that, especially when, like, millions of people are going to see it. So, I think it's hard. I think, he, look, he is bipolar, and Kim has come out, and, like, for the first time, she never used to speak about um, his mental uh, struggles. But, yeah, she's come out and spoke about it, and I think... To be honest, it should all be boiled down to a bipolar episode, which is actually quite unfortunate um, and sad to to, to Mm. you, but hopefully he gets help. Um, It's very tricky in America, though, because um, on a technical basis, they're a bit different to Australia. Um, In Australia, you can bring someone to a facility or um, get professional help for them, but in America, legally, if you deny help, you don't need to receive help. It's sort of that like free freedom of speech, free country type mentality. So he's really there's nothing anyone can do in this situation. He's pretty much free to do what he wants, which is fine, but it can be dangerous for everyone involved. I think. No, exactly, and it's interesting to see where the marriage is going to go from here because I don't see the Kanye and Chris relationship being uh, mended anytime soon. And by what you said, and it is true, Kim seems to be siding with Kanye through all this, so I don't know how that's going to help the family dynamic, but I know what it's going to do for uh, ratings of the next season of Kicking Up with the Kardashians. So, well, yeah, that's Chris strikes again. The whole thing, because, and also I sort of understand Kanye's like mistrust of, of Chris because. She is quite a, you know, she's a she's a mogul and she built the family up and not through, you know, using morals or anything like that, in my opinion. So I can sort of understand why. I mean, she's not a white supremacist, so we can say that, but I can understand why he probably feels a bit paranoid about her. The thing is, like, they're saying there are no camera crews at Wyoming where they are at the moment, but there were some... Uh, paparazzi photos that yesterday or the day before that were leaked of him and Kim in, at, at a drive-thru and they were clearly in an argument and I'm just thinking, I don't know how anyone was able to obtain those photos if they weren't staged. So the whole thing for me is kind of looking like a mental breakdown but also mixed with a publicity stunt. It's all very shady and strange. 
that's just Hollywood summed up in about 15 seconds right there. So You're welcome. Yeah, nicely done. Uh, journalism <laughs> school, again, with the win. Um, moving on to our next subject. Uh, this El Generous story. Now, there was a tweet that went uh, viral a couple of months ago. I remember it where it was like, we need to stay uh, positive and together during these times. So let's all come together and share our worst Ellen stories. And for each one, I'm going to donate $1 to a food bank in Los Angeles. And all the replies to that tweet, good Lord, that uh, I'll never look at Ellen the same again. Just, yeah. And now there's a investigation by Warner Media into the workplace environment. Yeah, it's serious. It's a serious thing. Yes, I should clarify for people who don't actually know what's happening. Basically, Ellen is not the best person to work with. She is very unforgiving to her interns and her writers. Uh, One of the stories that I remember from the initial tweet was that uh, there was this uh, mentally challenged security guard who smiled and waved at everyone that came into the building. And then when he did it to Ellen, Ellen got mad that he made eye contact with him and had him relocated to another uh, part of the studio. Good God because she doesn't like people making eye contact with her. And when she's in a bad mood, she gets her writers into her office to do bits to cheer her up, like performing clowns. Great. So Warner tried to sweep it under the rug, but uh, the rug amassed too much uh, content and spilled onto the nice uh, wooden board floors. So now they've ditched the sweeping of the rug. I'm going to see how far I can go with this metaphor. And are now doing a uh, investigation into what's happening. So, uh, not good for Ellen. It's interesting. I think that um, all this information has come out, and uh, she's literally been coined um, the one of the rudest uh, people alive. And uh, and there are some bad people alive. Yeah, and there are some bad people. <laughs> so yeah, I mean, look, the stories that have come out are quite shocking. Um, she's done quite a few things and just been quite passive-aggressive. But my question is, um, would it be the same if she was a male host? And I know that I'm cautious to bring gender into it, but I think it is interesting because, I mean, historically, a lot of talk show hosts have had that reputation. But Ellen's particular stories have blown up, and I'm just thinking... It is kind of a double standard, or am I, you know, did Conan O'Brien ever throw a copy into someone's face? Like, I'm trying to, I'm trying to think of any. Alan knows about her being a woman. That's sort of my question. What do you think? I think man or woman, she's not going to lose her job. Like that's just how this sort of, you know, showbiz stuff works. Like a lot of these famous types have their own roles, but like I don't know Mel Gibson's still popping up in movies. I guess, like. Uh, Who's the other one that uh, punched that? Uh, I'm trying to think. I'm not editing this out. You feel time. <laughs> no, no. <laughs> I've got this story here um, that said, when I was 15, the Alan Show was doing a contest of fans making a bust of her and sending it to her. I worked so hard on this and even wrote a letter. Weeks later, she used it as a prop in a game and gave it away to some random person with a $500 note attached to the bottom. Oh, Jesus. Um, or the next one, I worked and served her and Portia at brunch. She wrote a letter to the owner and complained about my chipped nail polish that was on her plate, but just that it was on my hand. 
So basically, like, she didn't like the chip nail polish of a waiter. I had worked till closing night before this and was, and also the next morning. It almost got me fired. Jeez. I think I saw that one as well. Um, I'm going to keep playing this game because I like it. No, so everyone must chew gum from a bowl outside their office. (laughs) I love that one. If she thinks you smell that day, you have to go home and shower. I've got a... Your staff member was told... Oh, sorry. Go for it. All right, I'll go. Uh, my friend wrote for the Ellen show for two years and told me Ellen didn't greet her once. In fact, upon employment, staff were told they weren't allowed to talk to her. Wow. Yeah. Um, okay. I mean, then she goes, a new staff member told me that every day she picks someone differently to hate. It's not your fault. But suck it up for the day. She'll be mean to someone else the next day. Oh, my God. See... I get what you mean with the gender double standard, but I feel as if this is on a whole another level in terms of like coldness by a studio host. I'm not saying, you know, Weinstein level, if that's where we're thinking, but uh, it's more like in terms of rudeness, it's like, yeah, when you reach a certain level of fame, of course you're going to be rude because you don't know what it's like to be the common person anymore. But when you refuse to make eye contact with the common person, then that's, yeah. We're all equal yeah, at that point. Yeah, her other comments, even in isolation when she sort of made some um, off-colour jokes about uh, her isolation and how tough it is for her and how it's like a jail. Um, and while she was sitting in her almost $30 million house with a waterfall in it, um, like a genuine Amazonian waterfall, I think it sort of shows that she is completely out of touch and... I think while she probably could get away with this behaviour a little bit more if she was a man, she's also just blatantly sound like a rude person. Um, it's hard, though. I don't know how much to believe of the situation. I think because there's been so many different stories, it's quite credible in a way, strangely. Yeah, not, but, um, not everyone yeah. can be wrong about this. Exactly. I mean, if there's genuinely people who have worked for her coming out and saying that, uh, it's quite interesting. And just one more for old time's sake. There was a, where was it? Karen Kilgariff was her head writer for five years until the writer's strike. Okay. When Karen wouldn't mm-hmm. wouldn't cross the picket line, she was fired, and Ellen never spoke to her again. Wow. Okay. Yeah. I mean, writers historically have never been uh, treated wonderfully, but that's pretty new level. Hollywood writers? No. Come on. Hollywood writers? No. I mean, they've been glamorized recently, but before before then, no. I feel. I mean, depends. Absolutely. So. That's horrible. We we well, could re- we could read out these Ellen stories, but yeah. Yeah, the chemistry is just not the same with the... I know. Again, still not editing this out. Um, I feel like we could go forever uh, reading out these Ellen stories because I love them, to be honest. I can't lie. Um, But we do have to move on. Um, Now, I pitched this story before we uh, started recording and you haven't heard anything about it, the uh, Chainsmokers uh, concert. Enlighten me, Doc. Yeah, so the Chainsmokers, a, a cool hip band, uh, 
there was a concert that they did presented by, uh, I don't know if I can say their name. It's the same people that did Firefest, F. Jerry. I'm going to say that. Try and make it clean for the kids. Oh, yes. Okay. It's for the kids. They have a new tequila line, and this was a concert that's promoting it because, God forbid, okay. uh, they delay any longer getting their this blog's tequila line out. So they had a Chainsmokers concert uh, with an opening set from DJ D-Soul, a.k.a. Goldman Sachs CEO David M. Solomon. So that is uh, the douchiest lineup I've ever heard. Combining the tequila line from that company with the Chainsmokers, with the Goldman Sachs CEO, you've ticked all the boxes. and say with everything that's happened in 2020 this is like middle of the list probably it's just such a perfect you know, storm that's why I love it so much it really is like on a, in a normal year I would be completely like excuse me what is going on but at this point I'm not even batting an eyelid I mean I mean to be honest it's, it's a do they want like a younger clientele? Is that why they're trying to appeal to like a younger audience with this DJ set and the different, you know, collision of worlds? I'm, I'm confused. Okay, now I'm going to ask you a question here. This CEO of Goldman Sachs, who opened as a DJ, guess his age. Mm-hmm. How old do you think he is? I want to say 54. 58. This uh, wow, okay. this DJ, this this uh, disc jockey, is fifty eight years old. Yep. And he's uh, opening at a. You know what? Live your life. You can't DJ as an old man. Well, an old man who's also. Oh my god, he's wearing a cute little scarf in his uh, on his, in his set. That's cute. It gentrifies <laughs> gentrification, isn't it? That's that that's adorable. Anyway, so what happened was they initially said with the concert that they're going to try and maintain social distancing by having it as a driving concert. So everyone pulls up their car and, uh, you know, everyone stays in there and watches the concert and parties on. Uh, And then after the concert, the next morning, uh, the chain smokers tweeted out a photo. It's like, thank you all for making this a fun and uh, cautious evening with us all. And the photo that they shared, no one was in their car. Everyone seemed to have gotten out of their car, walked all the way to the front to create their own mosh pit with thousands of people. Oh, God. And what I'm, what I'm thinking is they saw that, mm-hmm. the, the Chainsmokers social media intern, who, oh, jeez, imagine how many frats he's a part of. Um, he saw that photo and then decided, you know what, I'm going to share this to the greater world. Yeah, I think... The whole thing is uh, quite interesting. And to be honest, the the more concerning thing, or equally as concerning as this guy DJ, is the fact that there was a concert on, which is completely unheard of right now. So I'm just wondering what that's about. And since the virus has become politicised, is that kind of means that Goldman Sachs is starting with a particular side of this? considering that they're sort of endorsing a concert environment at this point. And no one's socially distanced, it seems, from what you're telling me and what I can see. Yeah, and it's also the image of, like, 
the CEO of a major bank during the worst economic crisis since World War Two. Uh, you know, living it up, wearing a cute little scarf, uh, being himself. Yeah, it's not the imagery that I uh, envisioned uh, for this point uh, of the year, but, yeah, it's not a good look for Goldman Sachs or actually anyone involved. And the chase workers as well, that's very irresponsible in my opinion for them to even be agreeing to do a concert. But... I don't know if you heard, there's a new tequila coming out. Doesn't it make it worth it? So if there's one thing that yes, Americans aren't consuming... Yes, yeah, honestly, backtrack on all my statements. Scratch everything I said, yeah. If there's one thing that Americans yeah. need to consume more of when locked in their homes, it's alcohol. So I'm glad that they're coming out with this Especially now. tequila. Exactly. Right, yeah, so... So we're going to make this a shorter episode than normal, but... uh. Just before we go, we've got one more Am I the Asshole? Relationship Reddit didn't have any good ones this week, if I'm going to be honest. And there are people seem to be settling down right now in quarantine. So Everyone's clinging to whoever's closest to them. Yeah, the, uh, cruel, the cruel winter months have arrived and uh, it's not safe to go out and find a spouse or whatever. I don't know. I'm tired. Um, so, exactly. So... <laughs> I've got a, am I the arsehole? It is, am I the arsehole for refusing to RSVP to my sister's wedding because I'm required to write an application essay just to attend? Um, I'll let you take the floor for this, considering you do have an older sister, so you can really envision uh, that situation. Well, without reading it, my answer is you are not the arsehole because... Extracurricular writing is never worth it. I don't care what kind of grades it's worth. Any sort of, like the words extra credit, I just immediately to the junk folder for me. Just like additional work that's not going to be punished. You know, what's the point? Um, so here it is. Yeah, I know this sounds insane, but I'm living in it. So my sister is getting married next February. Destination wedding, no less. I have doubts whether this wedding is actually going to happen with the pandemic and everything, but she's totally set on moving forward. Anyways, because of the pandemic, her original venue was made to made her cut down on guests because they're cutting capacity by half. As a result, she's sending out re-invites that ask everyone to RSVP again. But in order to figure out who to invite and who to cut, she's asking all confirmed guests to submit two 250-word essays to two questions. The gist is that they'll use these essays to choose who can come or not based on people's enthusiasm. People who don't write the essays at all will be automatically disqualified. Right. Thoughts so far? Okay. Well, I'm going to take the uh, counter position to you on this and Nerd. say that it's honestly a perfectly reasonable uh, thing to ask. Weddings can be so horrible if it turns into a thing of anyone who is invited just shows up and your brother's sister's cousin uh goes and trashes your name on the night or gets too drunk or there's a lot of freeloaders who show up to weddings and this is pandemic times and weddings are pricey and it's a destination wedding. So I think she does need to filter out the guests and I think it's honestly perfectly reasonable. I mean, if I was her, I wouldn't ask for some sort of written paragraph because that would be a nightmare to go through all of those and read them. But I would definitely ask for some sort of confirmation of commitment. 
and um, yeah. That's what I would do. Well, that's the whole point. You don't – I get the cutting down, but the essay is just ridiculous. I mean, like, obviously, this might shock you, but I've never planned a wedding before, but I'd imagine that – Really? I know, like, this this high school education did nothing for me. But uh, what I was thinking is, like, you would at least have a hierarchy of guests if you're the bride and groom. Like, okay, here are the essentials. Mum, dad, sister. Here are the ones that it's like – you know, 90%, but it wouldn't be lost without them. That's your cousins. That's your, you know, friends from high school. And then it keeps going down until you've got, like, third cousin Steve who uh, keeps getting too drunk at public occasions and uh, keeps taking his shirt off. Now, he's at the bottom, but you don't have to worry about that. You just worry about the essentials and then work from there, right? But if you a reason, though, like his, his personal statement isn't good enough, then you can just kick him from the party. But it's like you'd know that your best friend would be happy to see you married. It's like, oh, well, third cousin Steve had beautiful prose in his two 250-word essays. Really, you know, his use of the English language is really formidable. I'm going to uh, give him front row seats for the wedding. No, because, you know, you've got a hierarchy in place already. You don't want to rock that boat. If they say they can't come, then you keep going down. But it's like, I don't know if you do the essay. Yeah, exactly. Okay, I will continue. No, you're absolutely right in that respect. I think she's smart because in these times, everything's kind of flipped and you can get away with asking people to kind of show their commitment to your wedding. But the writing a personal statement thing is uh, it's questionable behaviour. Do you think she's going to mark them like essays, like teachers do, just like, oh, I've got 50 more to go through tonight? Give letter grades and feedback and mail it back to the person. It's like, sorry, mum, there was a yeah, couple of uh, spelling errors in there and you use a semicolon instead of a colon, so I'll give you a B minus. Uh, if you're lucky, we can fit you in the second back row, but you won't be getting any dessert. Yeah, I mean, she's changing the game. So she's raising slash lowering the expectations at the same time. And um, I don't like her. All right, so I will continue just to see if any of our questions were answered. I just feel really insulted by all of this. The questions aren't even pandemic-related. It's broad topics like, why do you still want to celebrate this day with us? And what will attending our wedding mean to you specifically? So she's blatantly looking for people to kiss ass and tell her why they really want to go. That I respect. I'll say it now. I respect that. Um, I'll keep going. Uh, anyways, I told her in advance, I'm not writing 500 words of why I need to attend her wedding, spend my own money on plane tickets slash hotels and buy her a present. This has really rubbed her and my parents the wrong way. She said that to keep things fair, if I don't fill out the RSVP completely, that's what I'm thinking. I'll see if they address it. Uh, she said that to keep things fair, if I don't fill out the RSVP correctly, I won't be saved a spot. I said, fine with me. Then my parents said, if I don't show up, I'm going to be in big trouble with all of our relatives, so just write the essays. Am I the arsehole for staying stubborn on this? I'm already annoyed at the thought of spending thousands and coming home to quarantine, but I'll not belt out 500 words and why this is, on how this is totally my choice. And that's the end. So I reckon what's happened is the parents have obviously got the pass because they're like, oh, of course you have to do it. And even if they did write it, like, they'd still get a pass by the looks so. of it. 
But it seems like, and she added this in later in an edit, she is the only other sibling. So it's clear like, oh, the parents are given, but she, I don't know if we're going to invite her. I want to see what her essay is like. At that point, you're the black sheep and you just got to accept it, right? I think from what I can tell, the issue runs deeper than this personal statement thing. And I think he's got deeper issues with his sister. And this was really sort of the straw that broke the camel's back with her. So I'm going to say that he didn't want to go anyway. And this is just sort of his excuse not to go. Yeah, there's definitely some tension between the siblings there. I'd love to, I'd love to help. I'd love to read these essays. Like if you got one, like from your little brother, whenever he decides to get married, I mean, clock's ticking, buddy. But uh, whenever he decides to get married, would you, how, what's your word limit before you're like, you know, what, I'm not doing this. Invite me if you want, but I'm not doing this. What's your word limit? 500 words. So 400, you'd be like, fine, easy. Absolutely. And like at that point, you know, you're not going to deliver your best work, but I guess no. you've got to do it. And it's also like, it's not that if you don't write it, you're not going. It's that you're gambling on the bride and groom's willingness to invite you, even though you didn't write it. And the thing that they acknowledged in this was like, they acknowledge that like, you know, you are the sibling, but you know, just to be fair and impartial, like we're going to have to make you write an essay too. It's like, really? There's no pass for a sibling? Nothing? Yeah, again, I'm, I'm really questioning, will the parents have to write one? Will they get filtered out? Like, she seems pretty cutthroat. So, I mean, yeah. The, in conclusion, I would say that it's not the best thing to request people to write a personal statement, but these are different times. So I don't blame the woman for wanting to get some certainty about the attendees of her wedding. At this point. And how much I love her with these dumbass questions she's asking. Exactly. Oh. Lovely. So, yeah, this was a, uh, a shorter episode than normal. It's been a weird week, but uh, we've gotten back on the horse. We fell off the horse and the horse kicked yes, us back three weeks, but we're back. back exactly. So we'll probably have another episode out Saturday, I'd probably say. Next Saturday, not this Saturday. So we'll try our best. Uh, apologies for the audio quality. It's not going to get any better. Uh, that's my official <laughs> statement on that. Um, I don't know. Go, go listen to Joe Rogan if you want good quality of audio. But if you want good quality content, go back and listen to our other episodes. Do you like that segue? <laughs> Very much. Lovely. Well, we'll see all of you. See all of you. We'll, we'll, we'll see you next week, basically. Well, not us, but you'll hear us. Got another bad ending. Oh, well. We're off. Bye.